Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Justin Went from Rohini. Yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but before we do, I'm going to tell you a little bit about those focused people. Oh, yeah, the originals. Energyfocus.com, Greg Eric, E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S.com, the original. You know, you, you rattle off a lot of stats, and I saw the stats, so don't contest where I saw it and all that and get into it, but... People spend eighty-seven percent of their time indoors. Get right? out of here. So that's what I—that's what I saw. So what do you need to do? What What does that mean if you're indoors all the time? You got to have the right lighting. Oof. And Focus does that for you. It can customize your color temp, your light levels, and it's network safe, meaning no cybersecurity risk, and no new wires to run. You reuse your existing fixtures, fluorescent fixtures, put in LED tubes that can do it all. And Focus. You know what? You know most importantly of all that, Greg, and and I, I can't talk about this enough. Tuning is to 2021 what dimming was to 1969, folks. Okay? So you put a dim and focus has a switch right here on the wall this, this, of this studio right here. And one half of it is a dimmer for the lights, and the other half of it is a tuner for the lights. It is super intuitive and focus. You just change the color of the lights to the light color you like. And then you set the light the light level. That's right. It's so easy. Tuning is dimming for 2021. We all need it. We all want it. Go to energyfocus.com. That's E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S.com. The original again with Enfocus. What a product. Of course, members, Greg, of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's N-A-I-L-D.org. That's right. Get associated. Get get in here right now if you're a lighting distributor. What are you waiting for? All the great educational products. But for right now, Justin went on Get a Grip on Lighting. What's up, Justin? How much? How are you doing? So, you like that ad? So, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> Apparently, I'm going to have to go get a tuner. <laughs> hey, you know what? I mean, people get all lost in like circadian rhythm and human-centric lighting and tuning and tuning and human centric lighting are actually opposites of one another. Human centric lighting is prescriptive. You do what the lighting system tells you to do. Tuning is about choice. It's about doing whatever you want to do. So those two things, tuning is a part of human centric lighting, but tuning is independent all on its own as well. So go to energyfocus.com. Love those guys. So what's happening today, Greg Eric? You got some questions for Justin or what? Did we lose Greg? that he's very still hang on i think we lost him all right well let's just keep rolling here so you lead the research and development team at rohini what does that role yes entail? yeah so i'm i'm the cto at rohini and so uh i i pretty much lead all of the engineering at rohini so it's not just the r d it's pretty much every everything rohini is as far as uh what we develop and what we build. So uh, we actually have kind of a multinational team. So our team, Rohini itself, is primarily a tech a company that is all about technology. So we don't build a product right now. We actually develop technology. And so we transfer that technology to our joint venture partners. And so we have several different joint venture partners in the United States and in Asia. And uh, we also have customer partners that we work with. And so here at Rohini, which is actually in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we have a small team of innovators where we're 
constantly researching new and creative ways to use light and ways to distribute that light. So uh, we actually started out as a company that was trying to build a really cool product. And we we're trying to use these mini micro LEDs to, to build this really neat product. And as we were doing it, we figured out it's like, all right, this is really hard to build. We're having trouble building this thing. And if we do get it built, no one's ever going to want to buy it because it's going to be so expensive. And so we kind of shifted gears into placing these, these mini micro LEDs really, really precisely. And so we kind of turned into this technology company when we were trying to be a product company and because there was just a hole there. And so as we did that, we, we created these new partners and stuff like that. And we hired on and developed this team of people that just thought of problems in a different way. And so as we did, we, we created this, this group and we're just kind of like a SWAT team that goes out and just solves problems. And we have our manufacturing partners and our development partners kind of around the world that, that we work with to, to kind of bring these products to life. But uh, our team here is just solving problems that, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's placing these, these tiny LEDs because micro LEDs and mini LEDs, they're, they're these just tiny LEDs, a fraction of a, you know, fraction of a millimeter most of the case. Mm. So like the smallest ones in places are like, like uh, 30 microns. So just wow. really, really small. So a micron uh, is a millionth of a millimeter. Correct. So, so like, uh, so where the ones we're placing are like the, probably the largest one we work with is 0.3 millimeters. So, so that's, those are the huge ones for us. So mm. the, those are the, the big, big guys. We, they're in the mini LED range. And so those are the ones that we're like, oh yeah, we can place that on anything. So pretty much any kind of substrates like, uh, PCBs, FR4s, everything else, because those are the big guys. And the little ones, when you get down to those little, little tiny ones, you know, you have to be pretty selective about where you're putting them on. But uh, yeah, so when we're placing, we figured out ways of placing those, and it that was kind of how our company moved out into the, the industry. And that's what our team, you know, well, it mostly specializes in. So we do a lot of other things, but that's our primary focus. So. People talk about stakeholders, joint ventures, this kind of thing. Who are your customers? Who do you sell to? So our customers, so our our joint ventures, so we actually have a few different areas of our our business. So Rohini has a business. We have our joint ventures where we're partners in the, those businesses. So uh, our joint ventures, so that's where Rohini and another company, we set up our own a, a separate company. So one of them is Magna Rohini Automotive. So that's, uh, we have automotive customers. So Magna is, you know, I, I call it one of the second largest automotive companies that no one's ever heard of because they're, they're this massive company, but you don't see them branded as their own car because they make all the other cars that you know of, you know, mm. but they're just a little bit behind the scenes. So they're, mm -hmm. they're a $40 billion company that, that they create these in certain cases, they make the whole car, but in other cases they make pieces of the car and pretty much most of those cars that you work with, you'll see those, their products on those cars, you know? So we, we partnered with them to create a, an automotive lighting company. And uh, so pretty much anything in, in mobility and automotive. So they're creating products called flex form and stuff like that, where they're uh, they can put these into tail lights and into to signaling and automotive type uh, well any of those applications particularly on 
areas where you're trying to mold into areas that light before has been either difficult or we want to be more energy efficient or we just want to be dynamic in a way we haven't been before because you know the the big thing if you look at cars today is like the welcome right mm -hmm. if you look if you unlock your car it doesn't just the lights just don't go poof and turn on they they like you know they call it the embrace the mm -hmm. you know the light glows or does things and so that's a big thing in in like the newer cars and so everybody's looking to to find the next way of doing that and then you know creating with electric vehicles you know there's not as many you know there's not that loud noise when you're coming up so how do you signal consumers so so that's one area so you know our rohini works with magna to service those customers those automotive customers and then one of our other areas is uh our other joint venture is lumi lumi is a uh they are they're kind of the membrane switch company so they're one of the the key players in membrane switches so like uh if you're using a, a keyboard and it's got like the the tactile switches so not the clicky really loud ones but uh like pretty much a most of the OEM keyboards have uh, kind of the quiet keys, the membrane switches behind them. There's a good chance that Lumi probably had something to do with that. They're, mm. they're one of the bigger makers on that one. And so we work with them on doing keyboard backlighting, logos, and that sort of things. And so they're actually in production, uh, putting, they have uh, products in the market right now that uh, they're lighting up the RGB keyboards and RGB displays like on logos on the back of computers and in products like that. And so again, we're a partner in that business. And then, so we help them with the technology and they, they go and manufacture that. And then one of our other ones that we're really excited about is BOE, uh, BOE Pixie, excuse me, is a joint venture again, that's a partner with Rohini. So, and that's for displays. And this is large size, you know, one of the big buzzwords out in the industry you know, right now is HDR and, you know, you know, XDR displays, these high dynamic range displays with the mini LED backlighting or even the direct emission type displays where we're putting these, these backlights and putting all these LEDs in the back of that. And our technology is really great at putting these things together. And we're, we have one of the first kind of at scale products that's out there building these kind of kind of things in the industry today. And so, cause our technology is out there in different pieces of equipment and stuff out there building displays today through, you know, through our joint ventures and our customers. So, so that's, that, that's a, a long answer. So you're in the automotive <laughs> business, you're in the electronics business. Okay. So I get that. It's interesting that you, what you talked about with the welcome in the vehicle, that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's what tuning is. We talked about tuning in the introduction, Yeah. but in a way, um, setting lighting up to cue a certain feeling or a certain setting is actually the dawning of a new era in lighting. So using lighting to tell people certain things. Um, so you're in your car, your car is welcoming you. That's a form of cueing, which is a function of tuning and dimming lighting, which is why I made the comparison between the dimmer, the 1969 when it was invented, and the, tu and the tuning in you know 2021. Those two things together are really what tuning is going to take lighting to a whole other level in terms of telling people what to do um, when they're in something. And so you guys are manufacturing these super small LED lights that can go in anywhere. They, it seems like the the um, the applications for that have, are only starting to evolve in people's minds in a way. 
Um, what other types of customers are you guys looking at down the road that are not customers? Who are the non-customers that should be customers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. One we, we struggle with all the time because actually the Rohini, one of our mottos that, that is one of my favorite ones is like we, we've described it as putting light where it's never been before. And so in looking at that, we're always going out because that's one of the things that we, you know, our lights are, when we put it there, they're, it's really hard to grasp until you pick it up and feel it because they're so small and so thin. You pick it up, it's like picking up a piece of paper and some of them are even thinner than that. Mm. Like you can literally put it on the surface of anything. The controllers and the, the things are the, the big bulky stuff. We're trying to move out of the way and move off to the side. And so the, the, possibilities are endless and it's really we're trying to get this out into the hands of people because the designers and stuff the the creative people that play with these lights are the ones that that we want to do because if you start looking at the industrial designers and the designers of some of these products because all the products you're looking at particularly consumer electronics it's always smaller thinner lighter mm -hmm. and we focus today on those applications that everybody knows because well, it's easy to get into those. But now as we look at some of the product, the applications that don't currently have those lights where it's, again, never been before or the areas where it's more indicative, that's kind of where, you know, our, our bread and bread or where we want to be. But it's harder to b break into those because you have to kind of show people how to do it. You know, and, and that's that's the that's the fun stuff, but that's the, that's the engineering side. And it's, you know, you always have to balance that business and engineering aspects. It was like, all right, we got to make money today and I can, I can build a backlight today and, you know, get it into a product tomorrow. But uh, this other one, I got to convince people that it's worth the money to put it onto there. But, you know, so, but those, those other elements, particularly if you walk around your home and your office and you start looking at those things as we're getting more and more into remote working and those elements that, looking at those lights, even on the surfaces of products and your, even on the surface, front surface of your laptop, there's indicators that you could put on that, on that location that have never been there before to, to tell you different, different information. But moving even away from your consumer electronics into the, into the elements around your home that, you know, currently don't have those lights that you could indicate right on the surface of something without having, having into that. That's where we kind of see a lot of opportunities because, you know, commercial lighting is a huge, huge industry today. So, and what I've seen in the, in this field, the, first of all, there's no, like there is the light and research center. There is different mm -hmm. schools of lighting, but there isn't like a certification called lighting engineer that doesn't really exist, but lighting is really fundamental to science in many ways. You know, it is some sciences is lighting. Um, are you guys a material science company? Are you a in like are you electrical engineers? What is the is it chemistry? What is the primary um uh what's the right word? The discipline that the is discipline. used. Yeah, which one is used primarily at Rohini? Uh it's honestly it's quite a few. So, uh mm -hmm. we use a lot of electrical engineering. So, they you know, the lighting is just a very large application of physics, but uh, you know, so probably the largest one we use is electrical. Mm -hmm. uh, so the electrical engineering, but we actually have quite a few disciplines here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, we do have some photonics people we work with, uh, but then uh, electrical engineering and software, and uh, that you know, lately a lot of uh, mechatronics guys are we spend quite a bit of time with. So. 
but uh, yeah, we <laughs> we probably have almost as many disciplines as we have people at this point. So <laughs> yeah, so, How, so when you guys are so. building these products, uh, when you're are you building these? Are they prototypes or are they sort of idea? Are you selling ideas to people? Like what you're describing kind of reminds me of that computer chip company AMD in in mm -hmm. Britain that doesn't really make anything. They just sell designs or something to other chip makers that then make the products. What is your business model going to be? Is it going to be something like that where you guys are are in fact just telling people how to do this? Or are you going to sell them the little components? Like what's your sell sheet going to look like or does what does it look like? So where we're at currently, uh, we develop the, uh, the technology and we, we do build a lot of prototypes and we build a lot of uh, uh, like uh, smaller, smaller runs. We don't do production things and we transfer those through our JVs to customers and we do work with some of the end users as far as uh, what we call engineering as a service uh, with our end users as far as getting them up and running and stuff. Uh, as we're the state we're in today, we're starting to shift to uh, some of the more direct work with them, but it's it's a kind of a change for us. It's more of one of those is we have a perceived need and more and more people are coming to us and we've been kind of gearing up that direction anyway. Uh, and so we're, we're shifting to a direction where we're, we're taking on more of those things without competing to our JVs. But where we're at today, we mostly gear, uh, we do prototypes and engineering as a service and then transfer those through our JVs. But the areas where we don't, JVs don't have a license, then we're, uh, we've been pushing through those, but we're starting to take some of those in, into Rohini. But then uh, we also build the technology that builds the products. So we have, <laughs> we're an interesting company because we have IP all the way through the, the supply chain from the, the robots that build it to the end product. So it's not just any one piece. So we're all the way through. And so we also, as we develop the, the products, so it's not just the lights, we build the, the components that build it. So we actually build robots and robot components as well. And that, that actually put these things together. And that's probably our core piece right mm. now is building the robots. So all of the equipment, the SMT equipment that actually builds the end product, actually we've, we've developed and designed and worked with our partners in order to, to actually build these. And we're actually constantly iterating those to be bigger, better, faster, and work with smaller components and, and get to the next phase of those. So uh, it's not just, building like a light strip, we're actually building the machines that go through. So we're transferring those as well to our JVs uh, to help enable them because we want them to be as competitive as possible. So, well, so we're going to welcome back Greg Eric here. Hey, Greg, you made it back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we can't hear him, Scott. Turn on his mic. Oh, man. We, had, we were lost with Greg. Okay, so, but just what you were saying there, it sounds like you guys are in a position where um, – you you have a great product, but you don't know exactly what you're going to sell yet. Whether you're going to make machines that make these, whether you're going to sell the, the the little pieces of paper that you were talking about, and then you you started off in the auto automotive industry. Um, it sounds like yeah. it just it's like you guys are in a wild, crazy, bleeding edge phase, and you don't know if you're going to be a Qualcomm or an Apple. If that makes yeah. sense. Well yeah, well, our JV partners are building the products. So those guys, okay. it's pretty straightforward. Those guys okay. are building the products. That's what they're set up to do. 
but Rohini itself, which is the parent company in the middle, we have a lot of opportunities. <laughs> and so, yeah. so we're currently building the machine components and that stuff. But at the same time, there's areas where uh, we don't have any, any partner that's building things. And we're starting to see a lot of traction and attention to build some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that, that goal of putting the light where it's never been. Uh, so we want to take advantage of that wherever we can. And so uh, our primary focus is not the whole machine, but the components of those machines that we can keep our JV partners and our partners on the bleeding edge. Cause we want to, we want to, we want those guys, we want to be the fastest and the best. And then at the same time, our technology doesn't just have to place LEDs. It can, we can place anything we want. Like, cause one of the things we're doing with uh, one of our JV partners is we're not just placing the LEDs on the surface of the, the board. We're actually placing the, the drivers for the LEDs so that when you get that, that sheet of paper, it's, it actually has the integrated driver in that as well. And so, so being able to do that, all in one product uh, is what they're we're doing with those guys, and all that runs through the same placement equipment that we developed. So, but okay. Rohini itself is focused around the placement. So, the are you guys using um, DC to power these LEDs directly, or is there a driver in place, or how does it work? Is there something in between the DC power and the LED? So it depends on the application. So uh, mm -hmm. with so some of our applications, it's just a uh, just a DC drive, uh, you know. So where if we're just trying to get a uniform, steady light out, we just use a DC drive, usually a constant current, to provide us a a nice uniform light output. Uh, but other applications, like the one I was just referring to, uh, those are individually addressed. We put an addressable driver, we distribute it on the board, and we can use a uh, a signal on there and be able to address it however we want and be able to. You know, we can we can give any kind of output that we want, and that's a micro IC that's distributed on the board. So it's you know pretty you know whatever you want to put on it, you can put on it. So I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering when like consumer products and distributors are going to be selling this kind of thing, and where where it will land first. I'm trying to think of an application, Greg. What app, Greg? You there? Can you give us a hey? I can if you. Hear oh, me. he's back. He made <laughs> you hear it back. Me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me jump in and, and full disclosure for the listeners. I've I've been I missed the first fifteen minutes here, so <laughs> I apologize if I repeat something. But you're talking about commercialization, and it's kind of the Michael's point: commercialization of mini LED. Is it going to get to that point where mini LED is going to take over? Is it, what's the other term? So hang on, Regular hang on. So LED? you're talking about yeah. Greg. Just I'm going to fill him in here, uh, Justin, just yeah. real quick. You're talking about LEDs that are microns. So a micron is one millionth of a millimeter. Microns across, okay. super tiny. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to just me throw one at you to bring you into this conversation. What application do you think first is the most likely place to be commercialized for this? Tiny, tiny just LEDs. Yeah, man. I want to see what oh, you man. got coming in hot here. <laughs> Stick quick. Where could you use tiny LEDs? Yeah, because we're going to send an invoice to Justin after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're already pretty small, man. I mean, well, to be fair, the ones we're using for the micro at at Rohini are thirty microns, so we're 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 not doing the one yet. Yeah, <laughs> so. they're pretty tiny. That's small. Thirty. I don't. You know. I mean, either way, you can't see it. Um, well, I guess is it. What are the lumens per watt out of these? Are they? Can you get? Can you? Can two or three of these 
triple the light of a standard LED output? Well, so that's the interesting thing about it is that when you get down to it, uh, you actually can in in a way because you can be more efficient. So the the underlying chip. So if you if you take the same same size chip. So, so we'll talk about, I'm going to refer to chip and wafer kind of independently here. So, so if you take the, the chip, when I'm referring to that, I'm actually referring to the, the die that's inside there. So the, the component we're putting down is actually the same one that's inside of that standard LED. So the difference is you're just eliminating all the packaging and you're putting the pads on the back. So, so that's the biggest difference between the, these LEDs and the other ones is on a standard LED, you, you have this package and you take this same component, you put it in there and then you wire bond, wire bond the leads and that's how you hook it up. And so a lot of times you'll have like a 50 or hundred micron chip inside that. And then you, move it or sometimes they're like a 500 micron chip, like a half millimeter chip inside that. So for the surface area, it's it's about the same. So now when you take it into like a mini LED or a micro LED, what you're doing is you're taking away all that packaging and you're putting it directly, which so you're eliminating a lot of extra stuff. So you get a little bit more efficient on that. And the second one is now you make it eliminate all that and you can put more components in the same amount of surface area. And so LEDs, when you put them down, there's that efficiency curve. And so if they stay cool, they emit more light lumens per watt, right? If they're cool. When they start heating up and they self-heat, right? So when they start heating up, they get less efficient. And so if you turn around and you take and add three of them or four of them or five of them, then what happens is now you can spread that heat over a larger area and get more lumens per watt. And without all the packaging, the LED actually ends up being a little bit cheaper. So as long as you can place them right. And so you can actually spread that heat out over a larger surface area, eliminate the packaging, which is containing the heat. And you can actually get more efficient and you can get way more power efficient, more lumens per watt for the same, same sort of product. So, so it's a really long way of saying yes, <laughs> but it's, it amounts to being the same, same chip, but it's, it's a, the, the way that it's a yes is a little bit different. So if that makes sense. So 30 yeah, microns, so 30 microns is one, one hundredth of an inch, something like that. Zero, zero point zero zero one one eight. So 118th of an inch, something like that. There you go, Greg. Now you're on board. That's small. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, so do you think uh, a lot of manufacturers are going to go to that style of LED then in their fixtures? Yeah. So I wouldn't say 30 microns, probably not. Uh, you know, the larger ones, like the 300 micron ones, you'll probably see that one come more. The reason is mainly because of the substrates that you put them on. Uh, so... A lot of the substrates, like the FR4s and the, the LumaCore boards that you're putting the components on, are not incredibly accurate with today's technology. Now, they're getting better. But with today's technology, they use a subtractive process, and the pad gaps are not very accurate. So they can't hold a 30 micron tolerance. We use our JV partner BOE, where we place everything on glass in that one. So glass can be very cheap. And it can transfer heat and everything else. And incredibly accurate and so we can get away with it that way on those really super tiny components a 300 micron component or a 500 micron component which you can get very similar 
results with, uh, you can place on an FR4 or a Lumicore board without without a lot of problems. So that's like our automotive guys. That's typically where they stick around. And some of our guys who use like FR4s and stuff, that's where they stick around. And so as those components become more commoditized, I think you'll start seeing it more in, in like the lighting areas. Right now they're not as commoditized. So you get guys who are doing the backlight stuff, snapping up all the inventory of the LEDs. So, uh, but you know, more and more LED vendors are coming online with their uh, flip chip products and stuff like that. So uh, you'll probably see spreading out into the ecosystem more. But right now uh, you're seeing certain vendors who are, uh, well, certain uh, end users who are taking up a pretty significant chunk of the supply chain. So, You know, you're familiar with Moore's Law, correct? No, mm -hmm. they, Absolutely, right? yeah. So I always had a feeling starting from like maybe 2009 or something like that, um, the lighting industry through LED started to experience something similar to Moore's Law where the performance went up and the price went down over a significant period of time or, and, and that seemed to be happening in led. And then I felt like it was ending and now you're starting everything all over again, Justin, just when I thought, you know, <laughs> we had figured it out. It seems like there's going to be another innovation here. Is that a fair comparison to what you guys are doing is kind of blocking onto that, that development of led as a light source and then into this, you know, smaller and smaller sizes, um, and better efficiencies and, you know, that sort of thing. Are you guys tacking on to that kind of movement in the industry? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause it, I mean, it's just a, it's a shift in mindset. So we're, we're looking at a new way of doing it. Kind of like when you were, when you originally went to the led from some of, some of those previous light sources, you know, it, you, you hit that, that phase, this is, it's a new way of looking at it that kind of reset that, that clock, as you said, and that's really what it amounts to is now it opens up this whole world of of possibilities, and it opens up. We don't the need world any more possibilities. We need to shut it down. <laughs> it's getting too crazy enough as it is, man. Yeah. Lights shut fun. it down. Yeah. Just get a grip on lighting, not let a grip let the grip go again. <laughs> yeah, but engineers love engineers love two things: blinky lights and buttons, right? Sure. So, <laughs> so let, let me uh, I, let me um, let me just uh, get on you here for a second. One of the major issues that I see in LED um, into this point where we are today is, is the, is the lack of replaceable components. And you talked about automotive. So in an automotive vehicle, you're, you're not, you're not under the assumption that these lights are going to last forever. You know, warranty service call comes back. Somebody buys a 10 year warranty on the car or five year, or they just want to fix that welcome lights. So when they get in their car, are these things modular and component-based that they can be replaced easily? Or are they manufactured specifically for each um, car and that they're gonna, you're going to need to keep stock or the, the automotive companies are going to need to keep stock on this? Because in five years, hey, what was that we made five years ago? I can't even remember what it is anymore. Uh, how does it work? I mean, there's a lot of that in lighting right now. You know, fixture burns out and... Nobody has any clue what, what, what went wrong with it, what component, components it needs. Are you guys working on that at all because of it's, because it's in the automotive field or what are your plans component and yeah. replacement wise? Yeah. And that's, that's actually one of the good things about working with the automotive guys because they think that way. And uh, the automotive guys are actually very keen and actually just getting through some of the qualifications. And uh, one of the things about 
you know, we've been in the JV with them for quite a while. We haven't released a product yet. And that's because of putting all that infrastructure in place for these new products, because everything they've got, all the qualifications and all the different, uh, the, the approaches they've had so far have all been around package LEDs and converting that to have working with these type of products, you know, has taken some time and they won't move forward until that's all in place because it's automotive. And so that's been a really great exercise for us. And we try and put that in, in all of our, all of the things we do because of, you know, learning from one with the other is great, but yeah, they put that in place and they always try and work that through because they, they have to put that in with their vendors and just working with, you know, when they work with one of their, cause you know, they don't build, they're not the car manufacturer. They, they're the supplier. When they work with those different manufacturers, those manufacturers kind of demand that because they don't, you know, you know, Magna is not the one that is, is in the headlines for not having that part. It's, it's, sure. it's the Fords or the GMs. And so, so, you know, so many people wouldn't realize that, that like Magna does yeah. final assembly of vehicles. Like so many people don't even oh, yeah. realize that. You know, I, I think yeah. the Mercedes trucks are built in South Carolina at, at a Magna plant. I actually, I don't know if that's exactly true, but BMW maybe are one of these. They do final assembly. They Magna will assemble the whole car for the manufacturer. There's not even, yeah, uh, yeah. they're not even manufacturing half the time. Not half the time, but a lot yeah. of the time, yeah. Yeah, I'm not so. sure. I know, I don't know the exact cars, but I know there are definitely some that they do the whole thing. So, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah they're. It's, it's funny. I didn't know that until we started working with them. And Greg, you know, before they, we so. move on from this point, the lighting industry needs to work the way the auto industry works like that, where the, the, the way they, they, the warranty, you could drive your, your, whatever, your GMC Denali XLT into the dealership. Something's wrong with it. The cost of that replacement gets pushed all the way back the supply chain to whoever made it and they have to pay for it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, like right. the, the lighting industry could so badly use that kind of a, of a, a system of accountability on, on the, in the supply chain. It would be such so a I think we help. know. Yeah, I think we know the problem with that though is that most of them aren't actually manufacturing anything, sourcing it, grabbing it, slamming it together. Yeah, but I'm with but you. Yeah. So anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead, Greg. Um, You're back. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you might have you might have said this earlier again. I apologize, but what product have you sold the most of with this with uh, the Rohini technology? So, so Rohini itself, like I said, we Rohini primarily builds the the equipment so we well we work with the equipment so uh the things that are in mass production our customers have primarily built backlighting products so uh like backlighting for screens and uh consumer electronics uh so like you know like i had mentioned earlier is like the hdr displays and things like that and uh so our JV and uh, BOE is building TV backlighting. So primarily right now, mostly for their uh, uh, Chinese markets. So they're they're putting together some uh, like basically 75 inch 8K uh, HDR televisions and and that sort of thing. And then uh, our Lumi, our other joint venture, is uh, doing keyboard and logo backlighting. So so they okay. light up uh, on your laptops in your uh, computers and things, uh, the little logos on your products. So, and I did watch a, a video by, I think it was your CEO or someone and they mentioned clothing. Uh, what's the most unique product you've made with it? 
is clothing in? So, <laughs> yeah, clothing is uh, one of the interesting ones. We So I don't know if you saw some of the things we did. We did a light thread one uh, that was actually pretty cool. We actually, that was actually built to just do a, a demo because we were trying to show how small these were. And so we passed, uh, we made a really thin thread of light, put the LEDs end to end, and we passed it through an eye of a needle. It's a little bit bigger than it intended to be just because our laser wouldn't cut close enough. So we had to cut it by hand with basically a microscope and a little exacto knife to, to cut the, the borders of the, the circuit. Uh, Cause it turns out our, our laser wouldn't register the fiducials well enough, but uh, that's, that was one of the cool ones. We put LEDs onto, uh, onto fabrics. That was actually, a lot, you know, it's just one of those, you know, fun products. We didn't, we didn't distribute that to anybody. It was just one of those like, Hey, I wonder if we can try this. And, you know, we just mess around with it to, to just try different things. So uh, a lot of things that uh, we've done here were just one of those like, uh, Hey, I wonder if, you know, kind of things. And then some of them we've done things for uh, some of the movie and TV things that we love to try and talk about, but we're not allowed to. So <laughs> Well, that's so. a good that's a good segue it's up to the, my next question here, which is you are allowed to talk about it here on the show if you want. Nobody's listening but us. Oh, but yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it sounds like you guys are a bunch of dorks sitting around playing with LEDs and uh, much. <laughs> sewing them into clothes <laughs> and uh, sticking them over. All right, but patents and intellectual property. Uh, you see, there's a lot of lawsuits in the lighting business in the last mm -hmm. couple of years. It's all over all the news all the time. It's this person suing that person, that person suing this person. This person bought this company for the patents. You know, like that's certain happening in lighting right now. Uh, we've interviewed other people that said that they're not interested in the patent process or staying out of it because the technology is too... It's too important to, to even share with the patenting process and that the patent process has not caught up with where the ingenuity and innovation have gone in the last five to 10 years and that putting out patents is very risky. Where's Rohini in all this? Yeah, so there, it, there de definitely is a risk to putting out patents for certain things. So yeah, we, we do put out patents and uh, as a technology company, our intellectual property is a very key piece to what we do. Uh, so we, we do have uh, a robust patent portfolio and we do keep that up. I would say that it's, we have a pretty significant mix of patents and uh, kind of know-how and our uh, kind of our, our uh, you know, what we, we keep as uh, uh, our, our kind of secret sauce in, internally, but uh, uh, there are things that we don't want to put in in into documentation. We've made the deliberate choice not to patent because we don't want to put that out there and publish it uh, because it makes it too easy for someone to duplicate it. Because even the stuff we've patented, you know, we you know we monitor that, and particularly some of the overseas stuff, you'll turn around and you patent it, and then about six months later, you see a knockoff and in there and so uh we we try and patent the things that are easily protectable and then uh leave out things that make it harder to use so <laughs> so that so that when when they go and try and do it it's like all right great you got the machine or you got this but now you can't really really duplicate it but uh yeah it it certainly is a difficult landscape it's one of those things that uh you know a patent's only as good as your ability to protect it so yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering when to myself, like whether um, 
you know, this is going to be a, like, n when I say, uh, I think you say niche, when I say niche mm -hmm. in Canada, I'm wondering, like, niches can be very big and profitable. I'm not saying that, like, the lighting industry is enormous. There's all manner of different angles for the lighting industry. I'm wondering whether, you know, what the gateway into general lighting is with this technology. Is it smaller fixtures? Because the fixtures are already pretty small. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how much smaller they could get. Or, you know, in terms of general, I can see it in automotive and machines and all these different areas. I'm wondering where that gateway will be, Greg, if there's a if there's a path for Rohini and, and their joint ventures to find their way into an Acuity product or Lithonia or Rab Lighting or something like this. And it's like, whoa. One thing it reminds me of, you remember that light-emitting plasma? Remember that, Greg? little yeah, yeah. came out like 10 years ago or five years ago and it was this little mm -hmm. tiny chip like this justin and it went and you could put it in a fixture and it was very bright but it never took off for whatever reason who knows what the reason was but it never took off um and so you could have uh you know extremely small light fixtures but the the there's no legs to it i'm wondering if there's a gateway for you guys and if you guys have have thought about that i know we covered it a little bit but have you targeted anything yet at rohini of where you're gonna where it could enter yeah, we've we've had quite a few conversations about it because, and we've and we've had a few of the the guys in because uh, what we found was our area, at least that we see, is not in trying to fit where people already are. Mm. Because when we, when we turn around and we look at the the fixtures that are out there today, there's you know if you look at like a lot of the commercial lighting, there's not a there's not a whole lot of advantage to using ours. Yeah, we can do some of the animated things and like the the welcome and tuning that you're referring to, that are really great, and we can do that sort of thing, and that that's good. But what we need to do is differentiate ourselves, and the tuning and and rolling across that is great. But you know when you have all the space in the world being super thin and super lightweight is, is not not a huge advantage right if if i've got all the space above the above the diffuser and all that stuff and you're like all right well cool it's thinner but no one can tell and so but like ours like being able to embed it within a piece of glass and be able to see right through it now that's something we can do you know you know being able to put it onto a surface where you know otherwise you couldn't that's something we can do and that's kind of where we started looking at it is like how can we be do something where it's either architectural or, or where you can't put an an existing you know luminaire or something something that no one else can do currently because that's kind of where we we started kind of looking at things in a way that you know it's like you know if if there's all this space i'm not gonna win <laughs> you i'll know, tell you i'll like, tell you my gut tells me that it's in the human-centric lighting play Greg was talking about 87% of the time indoors in the, in the introduction. See, one of the problems with human eccentric lighting is nailing the spectrums that are correct. Mm -hmm. And they're very specific, right? So there's certain manner types of light that are preferred at various times in someone's day, depending on what their sleep cycle is and this kind of thing. And having the ability to pack a fixture with multiple types of LEDs that can mimic those different exact frequencies and spectrums um, I think is where you would see it um, in the human-centric lighting section. So where, you know, you, you can get exactly the light output that you want per a certain, you know, latitude and longitude and, and color and spectrum. And what are the other lighting codes, Greg, for that area? Yeah, uh, but, uh, but uh, what I, I know what you mean. And what, I, what I'm thinking about as you're saying that is that 
yeah, like you have, what, four or five different Kelvin temperatures or however many you want. But each one of those could be a chip. I know people kind of combine them right now. But the fact that yours are smaller, now you can get three of these, four of these chips to one of those. But yeah, you're exactly right, Mike. I think that's somewhere where that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, like for me, as a when if I was looking at this technology, I'd be like, well, never mind, you know, because what you'll see is if you see like a tunable light fixture, you'll see multiple strips of LEDs in it that are kind of mixing mm -hmm. together, and sometimes it's merely this one's dimmer and this one's less dim, and that's how they're making that mm -hmm. that dim to warm. I think with those really smaller, and you can actually, if you look up at the light fixture, you can see it. But I think if you could actually create and mimic those spectrums exactly. You know, 30 microns is nothing. You, I mean, you couldn't even see it on the table here. Um, you know, so, I mean, that would be, for me, the place where I would run this through, Justin. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something to look at. Because, yeah, even the largest ones, the 300 microns, if you have one on your face, you're, like, going, is that a piece of yeah, glitter? Or? Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. so they're they're epically small. So, yeah, they it's like a piece of, it's like a grain of sand. So it's, you know, and like I said, that's the largest ones we place. So, so yeah, those are, uh, they're very, very small LEDs. So yeah. And that's very easy for us to do. So yeah, that's certainly something. And that's, that would be, uh, an area that we could definitely add some innovation. That's something interesting to look at. So. Yeah, I'd go after that circadian play, those uh, those uh, skylights, that uh, two-by-four troffers that look like skylights I have. You could probably rock that world big time with this technology. But, folks, Justin, any final thoughts for the listeners? You know, you only had half of Greg, so you may want to get him now because he's super <laughs> hot these days. Hard to pin down. Yeah, apparently he's... He's like, he's like, yeah, I didn't need to be here. <laughs> he got this. <laughs> uh, not quite. Technical so, difficulties. All yeah. right. So that's it, folks. Justin, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. But before you guys go, we got to go back to the original, Greg. The original, energyfocus.com. That's E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S.com. And focus. And we talked about it here at the end of the podcast, but the ability to be able to change colors within a, a tube, that's what N-Focus is. It's an LED tube that you can actually put in your existing fluorescent fixture, change the color, and change the output, you know, if you choose that option. 87% of the time indoors, might as well make it enjoyable. Pick the color you want. And tuning, folks, is just like dimming. That's right. Tune your lights. Tell you, sell your customers some end focus with the wall switches just like I have here at Get a Grip Studios. Come on, sucker. Go to energyfocus.com. That's E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S.com. Check out their experts on LS Evolve. If you're a nailed member, that's free to you. You can learn all the stuff about Flickr from John Davenport. And woo, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Chris Johnston. That's right. Chris Johnston. He's in there too doing, doing it up for LS Evolve, which is Created and made for the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's NAILD.org, the patron of this podcast. Check us out. Join us. And, folks, that's it for now. And I know I speak from my heart when I say goodbye to you from Greg Eric, Michael Colligan, and Justin Rend of Rohini. Bye for now. <laughs>